Hello everybody and welcome to the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is regular host Aaron Percival, aka Corporal Hicks. And I am Adam Zeller, Aaron's co-host, aka Richtop. And you're listening to episode 102. And for this episode we're joined by two of Ilphonic's developers, Jared Gerritsen and Charles Brungart, the Chief Creative Officer and the CEO of Ilphonic to talk about a game you're probably interested in if you uh, listen to the podcast or you visit the website and that's Predator Hunting Grounds. Not much longer now. I think, uh, what, like two a little months? over 80 days or something? Two months or so, a little over. Because I think it's just before Alien Day, I think. Yeah, it's only like a couple days, so back to back. So that's going to be a fun week. Uh, I think, should we stream? We definitely should stream. Let's, let's get together like a little AVP Galaxy crew, and we'll go into sessions together, and then we can take turns doing the Predator and stuff, and piss about with it ourselves. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah. I'm totally on board with that. Sound. So we'll, we'll stream that on the, um, the AVP Galaxy YouTube channel, actually. But anyway, we digress already. We can't even record an intro without just veering off on our own uh, on, on our own thoughts. So yeah, I'll let uh, Jared and Charles speak for themselves. Enjoy. We are joined today by Chief Executive Officer of Ilphonic, Charles, aka Chuck Brungard. Hi, Chuck. Hey, how's it going? Good to be here. Uh, it's good to have you here as well. And we is he is not alone, is also joined by the Chief Creative Officer. And I forgot to ask you how to pronounce your second name as well. So uh, <laughs> Jared, go on, you do it. No, I'll let you I wanna see what you do with this. Gerritsen. Perfect. Oh yes. I'm gonna stick with Jared though. Totally fine. So uh, these are two of the uh, leading men on um, Predator Hunting Grounds who have uh, kindly taken time out their busy schedule to come and talk to us about the upcoming game. And I know it's always awkward because I'm British, so I have to do it in the evening. I I make you guys, I make the Americans do it in the middle of the day. So (laughs) thank you for for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Before we nerd out about Predator and start geeking out, could you tell us a little bit about yourselves and the journey that's led to you working on Predator Hunting Ground? Yeah, I think uh, it's been a bit of a, a while now, but I think a couple E3s ago, maybe three E3s now? It was two. kind of two. It was right after uh, Friday the 13th launch. You know, we were kind of talking about what was what was going to be the next project we'd work on, like IP. And, you know, Jordan, who's the lead designer, we're all kind of sitting around and he brought up, oh, what about Predator? And I think Jared and I looked at each other and instantly, I think we all had the game idea almost immediately. Like it just made total sense. So then after that, like it was, you know. Well, keep in mind, that was also my first day at Ilphonic. Yes. Jordan was just getting hired. Yeah, we were we were and pretty much had him about to get hired, right? Yeah. Still yeah. So I mean convincing. It was, yeah. So it was kinda it was kind of crazy. We're all in this Airbnb out in LA somewhere. And uh yeah, it just it, it was just kind of thrown out. And yeah, it was meant to be. I mean, I think the next day we bumped into someone from Fox that works on the gaming side that you actually knew that you kind of worked with at a past gig, but that's kind of just where it started, right? Yeah, I mean, and and then, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't know who it was that you met, and then a week later, we're on the phone with Fox, and one of the guys that Chuck met, I worked with at a previous company, and then the biz dev guy that was on the call was another person that I worked with at a previous company. And so it was kind of like this not needing to get to know people 
It was more, you know, like, oh, we worked with Jared and we know Chuck and we know F-13. And so the Fox guys were really cool about everything and, and they were really excited about what we were bringing to the table. Yeah, I mean, it was just like this This game is a bunch of stars aligning, to be completely frank. Like there was another company that was trying to do the game and we brought a, brought a cool pitch. They got excited. They essentially gave us like, what was it, eight days to find a publisher? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty yeah. quick. I mean, it's always like, you know, the ideas are kind of the the fun part, the parts that come together. But, you know, the business side of just making something happen is always kind of the the part that takes a little bit longer and, you know, at times can be stressful, even though everyone wants to work together and make it work. It's just there's a lot of a lot of pieces at play. So it took a while to kind of get it to all come together. But you know, everyone really wanted to do it. So it was kind of like, it just made sense, right? Yeah, the and game it made, made absolute sense. Yeah, and, and Jared went to uh, Geo Corsi at, at Sony PlayStation, and it was actually my first time meeting him and brought up like, oh, what do you think about this? And he's like, I love it. So it just all really came together. And there's, you know, it's really the one part that I think stays behind the scenes of just what it takes to get something like this done. But, you know, it wasn't easy, but it came together and, you know, when it did, we were all super excited to just dig in and get started. So yeah, it was uh, it was definitely crazy. But I think what also helped is just us kind of coming off of Friday the 13th, really focusing on kind of what we were talking about, like coining, which is kind of community-based multiplayer, just kind of taking a, a fan base, like the Predator fan community, for example, or like the Friday the 13th community and kind of just, you know, letting them experience what they would see in a film. And I think that really resonated with Fox and Sony uh, and, and especially what we did with Friday 13th, where we were able to kind of just capture the feel of everything. So now they did say, say a little bit about yourself versus jumping right into the game. Oh, I'm sorry. So who are you, Chuck? Sorry guys. It's perfectly fine. I get excited. So no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> of, of, of Ilphonic. We're definitely, yeah, it's definitely been crazy over here. So I'm sorry if uh, sometimes I don't, like focus or pay attention and <laughs> tend to wander. So Jared will, will slap me up for that. But, uh, but yeah, that's generally me. Pretty much my role is just, I don't know, everything from day-to-day -day business. And then sometimes the, the programmers hate it, but I jump on and try to help program at times when, you know, times are crazy and, and everyone's kind of crunching and staying late. So I sometimes get too deep in that. But But yeah, I mean, so it's, there's all sorts of stuff, I guess we, <laughs> I do here and you do here, right? So you can well, so so a little bit of history of Chuck that he's not going to touch on for some reason. So Chuck's the founder and CEO of the of the company. We started about 14 years ago. Prior to that, he was a music producer that decided, oh, I've gotten a couple of big awards and I'm top of my game. Why not start a video game company and slog for 14 years? Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> It was probably the worst and best idea. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, it takes it takes a while in this industry to kind of get to where you want to go. Nothing happens quickly. I mean, as you know, like with game development, it's a lot of, I guess, hurry up and wait. You know, yeah. like you, you want to try something new and it might take you a few months to try it. And so that's it makes this industry fun, but also scary and risky. So well, what about you, Jared, then? I'm Jared Gertz. I'm the CCO. I'm the head of creative. I, I joined Ilphonic about like, I think two months, three months after F13 shipped. Yeah, so almost three years. Yeah. Up on three years. Yeah, three years pretty soon. And uh, I've been in the industry for quite a long time, starting like 
2000, made some games. I worked at a, a few a few studios and um, known I've known Chuck and Elphonic for seven or eight years back with like the Machinima days. And so when uh, you know Chuck gave us the opportunity to expand to the studio, expand the studio and open an, up the Tacoma office three years ago where it was like me and three other people. And now it's another 50 some odd people on top of our 50 some odd people in, in Denver. You know, I've been happy to add horsepower to the studio. And so, yeah, it's, I'm just like the, the guy that flips out about Canon and story and making sure that we we're, we're hitting everything that we try to hit. And also, you know, just battling time and all of that fun stuff. It's uh yeah. It's I mean, that's, that the the one thing about Jared, I think, to note is that he is like so true to this IP and trying to keep it keeping the canon going in a, a good direction, right? And there's a lot of you know factors at play. It's been great working with Fox on that, you know. But but there's a lot of times where I mean, you know, I have to essentially I'm responsible for the money. Jared's responsible for the creative, and so there's times where I'm like, do we really need to do this? And he really pushes <laughs> for it. And, you know, I think it's great because he always thinks about the fans first. And I think that's so important because he's like, well, what are the fans going to think? Like, what if we, you know, screw them out of this scenario? And it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. So it kind of helps. And it helps me bring it to like our president and say, look, like, you know, this is worth it. It is worth the time and effort. And I think the team is really on board with that. But, you know, I just want to kind of state like he does has such a passion for this IP and just making sure that he's doing right by it, you know, doing it right. So it's pretty amazing. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah, you're welcome. It's really nice of you, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> I, I did get the impression you were, you know, from the panel that, you know, you, you did seem to be the bigger Predator nerd. It seemed like you'd read into all the comics and everything as well. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been a Predator Aliens AVP fan, I'd say, shit as soon as i started to see those films on vhs as like a little kid and so like avp was uh avp2 was made by monolith and i unfortunately didn't get to work on that project but when we were working on fear we would play avp multiplayer almost every night during during our our, our crunch lunches and um you know i i really got to get deeper into that fan base and and just like the hardcore lore back then and, um, you know, I've always been a fan of Dark Horse comics since I was when they first started and just like the other books that they had. And then when they started doing all of the different series, even the Predator versus Archie, I read those. And, you know, there's there's just a lot of cool stuff. And it's one of those things where when we said, hey, let's do Predator, it was just kind of one of those things like, uh, fuck, yeah, like this is just something, an, an IP that I've always been a, a huge fan of and 87 was that film that when when i was a kid you had to rent a, v, a vcr to then rent movies and so it was like a big it was a big family thing and i remember the first time that we saw predator it was just one of those things where it was kind of like star wars to me where it just that movie spun so much like oh what if what if there are more of these out in the woods and just like stupid kid thought and like you know there's I said probably one of the worst quotes at the panel, which which was, I used to run around the woods when I was a kid pretending like I was being hunted by predators. That kind <laughs> of doesn't age very well, <laughs> but um, a, a alien beast trying to hunt me, not a predator. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, it's just one of those things where 
the the chirps and clicks are are just something that you know you hear something weird in the woods and and my my brain instantly goes to predator and it's always done that you know ever since I was a kid so doing this game is is definitely like that you know kids finally getting to do something i mean it's one of those things where there's a lot of things that we still want to do or you know i feel like you know everyone keeps on saying like oh i wish this was you know a, a big single player thing and it is one of those things where there was at the beginning, like big stories and, you know, unfortunately, budgets and timelines and all that stuff just don't align. So what yeah, we're I, making is, is I feel the best thing that me as a fan could have could have made for what we could make. Yeah. And I think for me, it's definitely plays to the strengths of our studio, right? Like we're, you know, very multiplayer focused here. And so I think it was just perfect for the experience that we wanted to give Predator fans. And, you know, we always felt it was just right for what predator was right you know the the fire team versus the predator and so it just made total sense for us to to go that route especially with our experience that we've had in the past and you know working on various asymmetrical games as well so and i'm sure some of these questions we're gonna re, re, retouch on yeah it kind of goes into this next one a little bit what you were saying so we have kind of a tradition on the podcast whenever we have the pleasure of talking to someone who's involved in the franchises that we love so much is to ask them about their first experiences with the series. Do you remember specifically the first time both of you uh, ever came across our favorite extraterrestrial hunters? Yeah, I was I was six at the time when the film came out. So I was a bit too young. But Those would, your parents would have been horrible if they took a six year old to see part. Well, I'm trying to think like <laughs> I might have. I think the first R movie I saw was Delta Force when I was like five or six that my dad showed me wow. and it like actually kind of in the theater. No, no, okay. it was it was at home. We had like we had HBO. I remember it came on. My dad's like, oh, I love this movie, Chuck Norris. <laughs> it, but anyways, that's who you're named after. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, so as I got older, you know, probably, I don't know, like eight or nine you know, a couple of years later, I kept going over to my, like my friend's house. He had an older brother that was probably in like junior high or high school. And he had this predator or the, the predator poster, the one with Arnold on the cover and, you know, like that kind of target over him. And I just remember seeing it over and over again. And it was interesting. I'm like, what is this? Who is this? I keep seeing it. And then I think I convinced my mom to let me rent it because I saw it in the theater. I'm like, oh, this looks interesting and said that, you know, our friend had a poster of it. And so I think she let me rent it and watched it. And I was just like hooked ever since. And then that was really my first experience with it. And I remember renting it just over and over again. It was such a such a cool movie, cool experience. It wasn't even at that age. It's like it was more of an action flick than like a horror flick. So I think it was just perfect for what I was into at that time. So. Yeah, and for me, like like I was saying, the the VCRs were that was like a family thing. Like my cousins and and I had three I had I had three family members that were like my aunts and their kids and an uncle and their kids. We would do like a big movie night, and so like Arnold Schwarzenegger was just the king of the world at the time. So anytime an Arnold flick was on on for rent, like I saw, you know, all the Terminators and 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 then Predator was. One of those things where, of course, I'd never really heard of it because, you know, there was no Internet and I never saw rated R movies in the theater. And so, like, seeing that, it was you, you didn't know what what it was about. You just knew Arnold Schwarzenegger was on the cover and then it starts. And then as the alien, I remember just like the predator being like, wait, what is this? What's going on here? And it was just one of those things where it just really struck so deep. And then in the 90s, 
Predator 2 came out and I saw that in the theater and it was one of those like got my older cousins to take me. And the 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 funny part was I remember just being super hyped on it and it was and it was like the most perfect for that era. They had Gerardo in it and like the, the, just like the quick soundtrack. But I remember the giant like pistol with the Oh, just the pistols <laughs> with the laser sights. Yeah. And it was just it was just so, so, so 80s. But the the funny part was in the theater, which a lot of people I don't think not that many people I I think really went and saw Predator 2 in the theaters. Like I think that a lot of people saw it later on, but I remember seeing it and when they showed the alien skull, the entire audience flipped out. Yeah. Like it it was it was such a huge thing. And that was just one of those things that just resonated. So as the AVP universe grew, it was like, oh my God, this is you know, just being in that audience for for that first time with that, and then Predator growing and and the whole the whole franchise, it just it just it's one of those things that it's always been in the back of my head. Like this is so cool. Yeah, and they always played two on HBO, so I remember like just always having that on. Anytime yeah. it was on, it's like I would just watch it. It was such a, you know, I know it wasn't as popular as the first, but I don't know. I still really loved it. Like it was it was great, and I like I was gonna say Donald Glover, but Danny, <laughs> but Danny Glover. You know, and he was popular at the time, too, with kind of Lethal Weapon and all that. So I thought it was an interesting. He was just a different, interesting character and hero in that film. But I thought it worked well. Like, it was cool seeing the Predator in in Los Angeles, you know. What about the uh, next two, then? Just, you know, general opinions on Predators and uh, the Predator. They were movies. So, (laughs) actually, you know... It's kind of crazy, but I would say I lost more touch with with it. And so Jared actually introduced me to Predators. I thought it was interesting. Thought it was an interesting take on it. It was. Yeah. And then, you know, the last one, we we're fortunate enough to have this game kind of, I guess, started already. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so we took the team to see it. Well, we got to see the screening six months earlier, too. Yeah. Which was which was awesome of Fox you know, kind of let us come in and, and check it out. So you probably saw one of the older cuts then, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was, um, surprisingly not, not that different though. They're, they're just from, you know, stories that are, that are public from like the different effects groups and all that. There, there were multiple different cuts. And, uh, I don't think I, I don't think my, my mama told me not to say anything if I can't say anything nice, but you know, there's, there's stuff that we pulled from it and it's, uh, it's, a uh, it's a movie. <laughs> Predators is great, but the, the crazy part about Predators is because it all happened on that planet and everyone essentially dies and it kind of it leaves it as a, you know, two people stranded on a on a desert island world, you know, no information comes back that we so we really couldn't use Predators for much lore or 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 direction you know, with Reese and all those guys, we do, of course, grab from what we can and try to throw some, some cannon into it. But, you know, with almost everyone dying in that movie or being stuck, it's, it's, we weren't really able to touch much into that, which is too bad. But, you know, I, I hope that there are more movies and, you know, this game hopefully will allow, you know, a lot of people to see the direction that we, that we took the, the world and kind of trying to connect a lot of the, the bits and pieces. It's been it's been really cool. It's been it's been kind of a a, a dream project to be completely frank. Predators is kind of bait for a, a side sort of mission though in the future. Yeah, it's survivors versus uh, the predator on the uh, the hunting preserve. Yes, 
Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> no commitment, though. Uh, no comment. No comment. Despite being such a huge pop culture icon, Predator has never really experienced much time in the limelight when it comes to gaming, except when linked with the AVPs. This is going to be a little two-part thing, I guess. So the only recent standalone game was Concrete Jungle, a game that landed pretty lukewarm with the critics, but has since become something of a cult favourite in the fandom. So one, did you look at Concrete Jungle or any of the AVPs when developing Hunting Grounds? And two, is it doesn't quite fit, but it's kind of related to this. I believe there's some of your team, you know, used to work for Monolith when they put out AVP 2. So, you know, did any of that really play into it? Yeah, I think, you know, we looked at essentially what was there. I think we all remembered the games just being fans. You know, I know there was like the AVPs, the Monolith one and the the Rebellion. Like I played those. Concrete Jungle, I wasn't as exposed to. But, you know, we did we did take a look at it. Jared, probably more so just to make sure, you know, in kind of the lore parts that you know, he wanted to kind of understand almost everything out there. But it really is, I feel like each one of those games are like right for the time, the time and the era and the technology. And now we're kind of being in 2020, it's like multiplayer, the technology's grown. And I feel like that, that ultimately is, you know, we had the game just set in our heads of how we wanted to do it. So, you know, that was looked at just kind of and also brought up like our audio guy, Steve Whitman, who's our audio director on this project. He's actually based in the UK and he worked on the Rebellion AVP. Uh, Mark Rutherford, who is also helping us get a lot of the school? music. Yeah, he's helping getting across the finish line. Um, Jared and I actually met him when we were in out London. in London. Yeah. And so it was just always super cool. And, and to be honest, like, you know, I took on a lot of the the score, brought in some great people. I got really busy, so I couldn't finish it off. And I mean, it, it was a it was it was big for us. I mean, you were going sorry to tangent onto the score, but we <laughs> were kind of going for this, you know, Silvestri meets John Carpenter. And so with the full orchestras and everything, it's it got really crazy and involved. So that's kind of where Mark came on. But those guys a lot brought up like it's cool because you get a lot of stuff from Fox, right? When they're like, oh, yeah, here's some sounds from like the film or whatever or pieces from it. They were like, you could see the nostalgia, just them going back to it and even just getting some of the past sounds. They were like, oh, man, I remember doing this or I remember taking this and like expanding it out to this. So there's a lot of that. Right. And then I think was uh, it ben ben, ben 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 Coleman was on the AVP2 team, but he's on a different project. Something else you spoke about at PAX South was that Ilphonic had completely remastered the iconic Predator theme, which is pretty sweet. I was hoping you could tell us a little about those other iconic Predator sounds, such as the Plasma Caster or the Ambient Vision modes. Did you have to recreate many of the sound effects for the Predator? Some of those actually are used. I think the biggest thing with games is you tend to need a lot more because a film, it's kind of like, you know, they're matching it to an exact thing. Whereas with a game, you know, we have to have a bigger palette because people get so tired of hearing the same thing over and over, even though it's like iconic and great. So like, but you, like the vision, we just yeah, use the vision. The vision's the definitely used. Things like the plasma caster, I mean, we have different, we, we're using the main one, but we're also altering it so that yeah. it's not like, you know, the same shot every time. It, it feels a bit different. And then some stuff, it's just, it's tricky because some of the early, some of the parts they give you from these films, it's like, 
it, it's not as clean as it can be. So some of it has to be recreated almost from scratch to to match. And that can be really tricky. But like, you know, Steve's awesome at it. Like he he's done a great job just kind of recreating and nailing those sounds. And plus, you know, he's in a community where he's found people that actually worked on the original films and he's really dug deep on how this stuff was created and done. And so it's been really, really cool to see, like, he's just true to, like, making it truly original. So he's really dug there. To also, the Foley group it. that we used at Pinewood. At Pinewood. Pinewood Studios. Studios. Westwood. <laughs> at, at Pinewood, th- those guys, you know, they're, they're, movie, they're movie Foley masters. And a lot of the stuff that we added to it, like, you know, it's, it's just uh, this insane quality bar for an indie game to to be brought into it with like you know we're using some of the original sounds we're finding you know some of those parts that need to be punched up but like the people that that are punching them up are you know some of the best in the business and it's and it's been really kind of crazy to have those guys but like the the orchestra stuff for for example it's like here's this massive orchestra playing the predator theme song live and we're we're there and it's just like it's so kind of goosebump you know feeling and then when we found the original keyboard that Silvestri owned to do like a couple of the sounds from the original song and, you know, just going through the, the audio files and actually finding that one sound, like it, it, the, the room, you know, with a bunch of adult people all fucking erupted in, in cheering because we found a single sound on this massive, you know, keyboard synthesizer. And so it's just like the, the passion of just, the 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 audio of this game is has been really amazing to be a part of and one of the big choices that go to pinewood is um you know in the past we i kind of crossed paths with steve on a on a project where he did all the gun recording for so that was kind of primarily when we seeked him out it was like oh yeah he's great at weapons recording and that was kind of his specialty and then he's like oh you're working on this that's awesome you should check out pinewood where i'm at now and really sold us on them. It was awesome working with them because even that Foley team that Jared was talking about, like they worked on the last two um, Alien films. So it was cool to just, you know, they were like so into that world and they can do everything from, you know, a serious drama film to like the craziest sci-fi film. And and their range is so diverse in the way they do these. Like, I mean, just more doing like the health stuff, the way she figured out how to do that was so crazy of like putting gel in like a French press kind of coffee thing and like, you know, the way she just got that sound working. Squishing so cool. sound. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Pine, Pinewood has quite a uh, legacy with Alien. I mean, four out yeah. of the six films were filmed there. Yeah. Um, which is which is a cool little connection there as well between the franchises. Yeah, and that's where, like, all the Star Wars are done. So, like, they've just, yeah, Bond. So it's such a, I mean, it's it's such a, it's such an awesome scene, honestly. Like, it's different. It feels different than working with the studio in the States. Cause you feel like, you know, in the States, people kind of want to be around, you know, Hollywood and, and they're, you know, they kind of find their love for, for what they want to do. But like in the UK, it's like, you can tell these people were kind of born to be this, right. They're, like, they're, they're trained they're into it. Master craftsmen. Yeah. Like, it, it, just like the techniques that they did. I mean, just like, I forget her name, but she was just this awesome fully. She was like, a fully artist really because it's like oh i know we need to make this running in the water sound so you know she fills this big thing up puts the right amount of dirt in it so like the viscosity of the water is the optimal like splashing sound then she you know goes and finds her splashing bucket and then like 
it was just like all of this crazy shit just to get this perfect sound. And it's like, you don't really see, and I mean, we've, I've been to other Foley deals where the guys are like, okay, this is what we do. But like the attention to detail that those guys were doing in that studio was just awe-inspiring. But when you think of uh, someone playing a Predator, you think of people like TJ Storm, right? Like big and all this stuff, but you know. I love how we're jumping all I know, I'm this. sorry, but I'm just, I guess you're <laughs> You have my, not taken your Adderall today. Yeah, my last my last point being like it's cool seeing this girl that's probably five foot four come in and be <laughs> able to sound larger than life, like predator heavy footsteps. And so like the footsteps in the game are her, you know, and they just knew how to do it. And they just knew how to nail that sound of sounding big. So yeah, I remember seeing some of the orchestra and Foley artists in the slideshow you guys had at a uh, PAX South, was it recently? Yes. Yeah, it looked very impressive, and I can't wait to hear some of it. Your previous game, or Ilphonic's previous game, was Friday the 13th, which, like Hunting Grounds, was an asymmetrical game. You've previously spoken about that pub session brainstorming ideas for another using the same template. What made you continue on that asymmetrical path with this next game? I mean, for me at least, it was just the love of how asymmetrical works. Like, it's always, there's two sides to it, right? It's like, what could I do if I'm this larger than life character taking on, you know, a group when F-13, it was the counselors and Predator, it's the fire team. So it's a little bit different, but still similar kind of, you know, thing. But also, I love the feeling of the team, the kind of the teamwork side and being with the team. But also, you know, if I'm a group that is one one person of several, can I survive this larger than life being? And, and to me, it was just very interesting in the way you know we we lightly worked on evolve so we had some experience with asymmetrical you know or we we worked on evolve a a decent amount with certain areas and certain systems and then as we did f13 it was just where we really kind of learned what we wanted to do in asymmetrical and how we wanted to kind of tell that side of it in a game and i think it just worked and we walked away and we're like man it's a really fun game like it, let's try it again with another game because we could make something so cool and and different and fun. And I think just the game's feeling and being different, it's like it's tough to compete in a first person shooter market. Right. But this is so different and it plays different and there's two sides to it. And we felt like, wow, this is something really fresh and unique. And that's a lot of what I think asymmetrical lands to like it doesn't you know, asymmetrical doesn't necessarily mean same game, right? There's very different things you can do with it. Yeah. And with asymmetrical, I mean, the style of asymmetrical is, it has not been done to death the way that straight up multiplayer, you know, even team versus even team. But, you know, the idea of Predator right after we got done with F-13 is like, oh my God, this just, this game makes itself. We said, you know, the Predator will be third person. He can run around, clamber, jump through trees, use all of his alien tech. And then the other team is first person and you're playing a shooter and you're playing against AI and you're doing these missions. And then, you know, the Predator can, you know, come and fuck shit up. The thing about F-13 was you're Jason and you have the you have the counselors. And if the counselors find everything and bounce, there's that. Or if or if Jason is just a bad Jason, the counselors are just plain scavenger hunt and then they they leave and there really isn't anything that happens in between that. At least if there's a bad predator that's playing, the fire team still has some sort of you know thing to do. They're they're still battling these AI, they're still trying to do these missions to get out of there. And 
you know, I think that that was, you know, the real reason for this is just the, the IP itself was just so perfect for asymmetrical. And one theme we always keep kind of pushing here is just, you know, the hunt in the hunted and kind of that switching. So like when the, the hunter becomes the hunted. And so that to us was interesting because you have this elite fire team and yes, they're getting hunted by a predator, but at the same time they could flip it and, you know, the predator is vulnerable. So the fire team can become, you know, they, they are together if they work right, they can be that stronger force. And so having the ability of to keep going back and forth in those types of scenarios to us was very interesting and kind of the next part of our asymmetrical journey. But, you know, but that led to like that made it that was a big challenge, right? Like it, this wasn't an easy game to make. I mean, F-13 wasn't either, but this one was definitely uh, we knew what we were we're like, we're setting up out to do something pretty challenging here. And, but if it comes together, it's going to be right. And it's going to be worth it. And so, you know, we were surprised, like, or not surprised, but we knew it would come together, but it was one of those moments where we're like, wow, this came together like quicker than we thought. Yeah. So. And there's incentives to play in both sort of fashions, right? If you are just, if you are doing the objectives and missions, you know, it still counts towards like uh, ranking up and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. As well as if you just decided to sack that off and go straight for the Predator, you know, you still get uh, yeah. rewards. And, yeah, and that's and that's that's the crazy part about the game and, and the gameplay really is like, you know, there's there's times where the team goes, OK, let's just let's let's hide from the Predator. Let's continually mud up you know, go in really quiet, try to do these objectives as, as silent as we can. So the predator needs to hunt us. And then when the predator comes there, you know, teamwork to kind of fight them back and then try to get those objectives to get the get out of there. But then sometimes we just completely flip it where it's like, OK, let's go to this one area. Let's let's post up and let's actually hunt him. And that type of game meta is so interesting where it's like if you if you're playing a uh, a standard 5v5 shooter it's like whoever scores the most wins the game that's just it's black and white versus you can get half your team killed you still get to the objective you get to the chopper you your your you your yourself you win the match the guys that got killed they they were killed they still get points the predator got half the team so he's kind of, he wins but he doesn't fully win so it's kind of like these this very it's fun different it, type yeah, of thing it's fun because it also breaks the kind of the game design rules right like there's a lot of people that feel that you know asymmetricals are just kind of these accidents that happen and it's like well you know in design theory you wouldn't do this or that and i feel like with asymmetrical there is a lot of design theory that goes into it to make it right, to make it feel good and just play well. But it does break the rules of, I think, what they teach in schools to people that want to become designers and stuff like that. And even just some of the rules of some of the old school mentalities of, of designing. And, and I think it's like for us, we always like breaking the rules, you know. And so I think it's just what makes it special and fun to make these types of games is it's like, cool, let's, you know, let's break this rule and figure out how we're going to make it work and make it fun. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where, you know, going back to the community based multiplayer versus competitive multiplayer, competitive multiplayer, it's black and white. Your team wins, your team loses with this. It should go back to the original idea of video games or games just as entertainment. Like, is it fun? Is it fun to be a predator? 
do you have to win or do you did you get the did you get that kill and did you have this fun experience with people and you know when you're playing with friends it's even more fun because VoIP and you know there's like the shit talking that happens and all of that fun stuff but like being a predator is tactical you know it's like you know if we were making a ninja versus cowboys game like you you can't just run into the fold and think you're going to kill everyone the predator isn't isn't like you know he it's not a god it's it's still a a thing that bleeds and so you know you have to be very tactical so playing as a predator when you're a predator it's, it can be very very just kind of stressful because it's it's not you with another group it's you by yourself doing uh doing your thing but as the fire team you have the support you have this you know this massive firepower and you don't have to wait for the predator you need to just hide in some cases and so there's all of this different angles that you can play this game and different types of players from like hardcore first person shooters shooter players will play and be like oh okay i get it but then that predator comes in it's like oh shit this is completely different or if you're a casual player you just stick with your team and you 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 can you can get better at it you can unlock things and you know the the thing about the fire team is they're extremely dangerous. We're basing this off of current day weapons, you know, and in the movie, that group was extremely dangerous. They, you know, they're guys with machine guns and then bigger machine guns and machine guns and then grenade launchers. And so that's what we're we're giving the players is, is a ton of firepower. So even if it is just you versus the predator, you shouldn't feel like you're fucked. You should feel like, okay, I need to play this certain way. You know, what do I do? Do I, you know, stand, do I stand there like Billy? And, you know, try to take them on face to face or do I mud up and try to out outthink them like like Dutch did. You know, those those are the different angles that you can go for with it. And that's that's the great part about the game is, you know, you can go these different directions and you can kind of theory craft your own your own kind of tactics, which is it's it's super fun. And it's came, it's come together in a way where. Like we see people, you know, like at PAX or even our partners, when they go on the jump on and play the game, some of them will say like, oh, you know, I'm terrible at first person shooters. And they're actually like pretty good at this game. So it's, you know, and even kind of vice versa, like on the Predator side, it's like, yeah, I'm not really, you know, they're afraid to play the one character kind of by themselves. And they're like, oh, I'm not good at this, these kind of games. And then they end up being really good. And so it's been cool seeing like how accessible the game is to a wide array of people because when we first set out to do it we're like oh, are we going too know, hardcore too hardcore and it's not like it's 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 been a really good balance of kind of all players of different that like specific genres yeah that that was kind of something that i saw when i was playing it um can't even remember which event it was i went to now egx right yes egx london because i just spent hours in there with the sega reps just watching people play and you know everybody was sort of approaching it differently but you know above all that you know you say you thought you were doing it hardcore but hardcore i would say in terms of the predator theme and feel regardless of play style because you know that that is the entire setup of of predator you know the way everybody plays it and the way it's set up with the the fire team and the distractions and all that sort of stuff you know it, it was really interesting to watch everybody play it so different but it continually still feel like you were watching something that perhaps was there in the law somewhere so that was cool uh, but speaking of law then the most recent trailer dropped some serious bombshells on us with the reveal uh-huh. of the uh, predator huntress and the bow 
the the female predator isn't terribly new to fans you know we've seen the occasional female in the expanded universe but yeah. the bow is completely new to predator lore so can you tell us a little bit about the sort of creative decisions and mentality behind the inclusion of that particular weapon there had to have been a bow somewhere nope not that i remember i think like in a comic or something i, I think cold war one of the spears sort of ejected from itself and i think Helen Hotwater might have had a predator with like a, yeah. an underwater spear gun kind of thing, but not not an old school bow and arrow, not a Hawkeye yeah. or a green arrow. I have seen it in fan art before, though. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I mean, it's one of those things where, I mean, you, you think of the predator race, right? And, you know, we we have we we have some stuff that, you know, is definitely not with the same theory. But when we started going like, OK, what what weapons do we see being fun mechanics and all of that stuff? And I always love games with bows and bow and arrows. And, you know, our, our lead designer, Jordan, is a, you know, a big archery nerd. And so it's like, hey, let's add a bow. It could be kind of like the combi stick, but not as, you know, brutal and, and, and damaging. And it's kind of this hunter skill weapon. And so it was just one of those things where it made sense, but also like I feel I feel like, you know, the honorable predators would use more old archaic type of weapons to kind of prove themselves as being badasses. So it just really lent that bow idea. And so, you know, when we started working on it, that, you know, it's like, well, let's make it a, a straight up recursive bow. That'll be, you know, really cool. And I just like the idea of you being able to pin dudes with it. And I've, I've always been like an old school, uh, you know, nail gun type of guy where, you know, you're pinning NPCs to walls and it's just kind of one of those fun kind of goof around weapons. But it's become this weapon in game right now where it's... Uh, it's pretty it's pretty damaging like you there's a couple of guys that know that drop really really well and they can really porcupine you up pretty bad and so it's it's been a really cool weapon and you know there's a lot of other great weapons that the predator has like i mean the smart disc was my number one thing where it's like need to add smart disc and you know that thing is freaking brutal and it was just making it so you know the the drivable disc of doom uh, wasn't too OP. And so, you know, that's that's been the thing that we've been really kind of figuring out is like how to make these weapons true to the cannon, but also fun to use. But also, you know, we want to make sure that the fire team at least has a fighting chance. So there's been a lot of those great things with that. But I mean, the bow itself was was kind of one of those things where I, I could have sworn it was just something that I think is a given, you know, and, and that's kind of the the thing where when we started working on the elements that we wanted to add, it's like, it's a given. There should be a bow. The Predator race would easily have a bow and arrow. And, you know, I think I think that I've seen a lot of cosplayers and, you know, fan art with bows. So it's like, this makes absolute sense. And speaking of what makes absolute sense is the addition of, of the Huntress, where when we announced it, people were like, oh, my God, you guys did it. This is so rad. And it's like, well, we just did what honestly is expected. I feel the the female side of the the predator race has been explored in the Dark Horse series. And, you know, there's different ranges of them and, and you know, people have different theories on, on how they should have been. But, you know, I think that what we did and what we worked with Fox quite a bit on makes a lot of sense. You know, it's not super far out there. She is cool looking. She has, you know, these looks like a female, but we didn't go, you know, gangbusters and make her totally different the way that I think that some people would would imagine it to be. But, you know, we wanted to make it so it made sense for your fan of the series, but also your casual un person that's like didn't know that this is the first time that uh, a female has been brought into the into the canon of everything. 
How difficult was she to conceptualize? I mean, did you did you go through many different sort of ideas for her? Months. Months. Yeah, it was it was not a an easy road by any means, but it was it was mostly, you know, I mean, the thing is, is like we're working with Fox that is or Century now that fully knows that what we're doing now goes into anything moving forward. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we were trying to make, you know, we we tried to go a little bit out there with some of some of the parts and, you know, both sides, you know, found a middle ground and and I and I'm really proud of how it how it came out. And so, it's something yeah, something this important and I, iconic is going to go through yeah, kind a of lot a of lot, approvals. A lot of approvals and a lot of, you know, just changes and kind of refining it and it's been uh, a great working relationship. So I think, you know, we were able, like, it, obviously nothing's ever easy, but we're able to get there and we're really happy and, and you know, we're proud of what was created. But I mean, just, just a little bit of inside baseball, you know, getting our armor and getting our helmets and getting all of our other elements approved per the scale of the females were roughly like everything has a back and forth to make sure that it's the best to the to the IP. So it's it's almost expected. You know, the female edition was was a lot of going back and forth, but also same with making our armor had a lot of back and forth. You know, a lot of our helmets had had iteration because we're making a ton of new helmets and so on. And, you know, it's been a great thing to let the little nerdy kid inside of me remind me like this is the stuff that I I was drawing on, you know, Trapper Keepers and, and lined paper, you know, back in the day. So it's just like all of the all of the work and all of the back and forth that we have it's all it's all worth it because it's like this this is being added added to the universe and added to the canon which is really freaking awesome would you say the huntress evolved a great deal from those initial sort of um, design concepts to what we've got now and um, with it with major changes over you know those sort of back and forth with 20th century I mean, really, it's just it's just shaping. It's you know making it so you know we we were trying to do different stuff with the dreads, and we we have with her. She's got like bigger dreads, longer, but it's like the body type. But it was also the armor and and the coverage. You know, you you can't you can't really. And it's it's a weird one because like if you look at the male the male predator, he's pretty much Tarzan, and he's just wearing a cod piece and and you know a, a shoulder blaster. And so, you know, it's it's getting that balance of coverage and, and body type and body shape and um, muscle mass and and the the amount of fat on them and and all that stuff. So it's just that's really what it comes down to is just like, you know, it's it's almost like making a, a you know air quotes perfect creature. If we were to make a a uh, but also a, believable that yeah, they could fight, right? Yeah, believable be... that they could fight, believable that they that they're killers and that they're you know, otherworldly and all that fun stuff. And just, you know, proportion wise, it's, you know, that's, that's a lot of the, the different angles and stuff that we were, that we would go back and forth on. Was she always envisioned as um, more human than, you know, in terms of anatomy with the breasts and everything? Well, I mean, that's the thing, like the, the male predator has pectoral muscles and is covering a thing under his codpiece. That's the thing. Like, I feel like it, it's just one of those things where, when Stan Winston and those guys made the Predator, they made a human, very large, ultra human to stand next to to Arnold, and then they covered it with 
armor pieces and private protection and then you know gave it this insane head and and hair and you know the 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 skin and all of those things but if you like were to skin a predator cut its head off it's pretty human looking right so we looked at that and and kind of said okay well with the females we kind of go down that same direction is here's the anatomy of the canon predator males so it would be roughly the same as predator hybrid human hybrid and luckily enough after that they they announced all that hybrid stuff so it just totally worked for us but you know the thing is is the male predator has clearly bits and pieces that are being covered by a cod piece so it's not like a frog with all of its organs up in up in the inside and i feel like that's why we we as fans and as humans kind of connect more with a predator than say like a xenomorph a xenomorph is clearly this bug, this this other thing. It might have arms and legs like us, but it doesn't really resonate as like, oh, I want to be a xenomorph for Halloween. You don't relate. A lot as of people, much, a lot of people relate with the predator because it has a touch of human to it. That allows us to kind of go like, oh, this is what I could make for my cosplay costume, and these are superhumans. They're like either pre-evolution or a, or a you know a, a slight evolution of whatever the chain of two legs and two arms and a head has been throughout the universe. Don't even get me started on ancient alien shit or else I'll go super crazy. And connect, <laughs> I'll connect it all to everything and, and uh, I'll just add a bunch of insane cannon. <laughs> that, that's already got a predator background anyway with AVP. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I will say I do think it's really cool how you guys made the bow even though it is like a human weapon, like like a bow, it's very sci-fi and predator tech looking. You know, you can have these traditional weapons that we hadn't really seen before, like like uh, the whip for wolf in AVPR. Like that was they really made that a predator weapon, even though yeah. it was more or less just a whip. So that really works for me. And also, this is the first time we've seen a, a predator female outside of the the novels and comics. So props for that. Props for being the first. Oh, thank you. It's been exciting. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, the, the great part is there's so much to, to to pull from, you know, and it's it's not like we're, you know, one of the things that that I said with the bow, for example, is like it should be like a lot of his uh, his other weapons, like the combi stick unfolds, the, the smart disc pops open. There's a lot of these like multifunction things, even his self-destruct. It's like there's still that panel that pops open. So there's the idea of things kind of unfolding and essentially expanding because, you know, they need to pack them in their spaceships. And so I would imagine that pretty much everything that they would have would have a multifunction of growth to to become useful. And so that's what we went for with a lot of the, the things. That's where the arrow is getting his inspiration from with this bow. The arrows? The arrow, um, as in Green Arrow, the um, CW show, because his bow does the um, expand outward thing. Yeah, I think that that's like... That's like the cool, the cool thing for, I mean, I think I forgot what the show was, but the guy would like flick it out and it would unfold. And I just, I just think that that's, it was cool. <laughs> really. A lot of things are, are decided by like this matches in the canon and it's cool and it's, and it, and it's, you know, a fun mechanic. I mean, that's the thing is like expanding on the, 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 the things that we have for the predators, like, is it canon? Does it make sense for their, for their species? Is it fun to use and can it be done in a game? You know, there, there's a lot of decisions for like, okay, this thing would be fun to use against a fire team, or this thing would be balanced to use because like the bow, you, you don't auto fire. It's not a machine gun, 
but it's a farther projectile and it does more damage. Plasma caster, we have you know the balance of the firing rate, the charge rate, how many shots you can fire before your your power supply needs to recharge. You know, same with the helmet, same with like everything. Where really the 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 original writers of the movie did you know they they pretty much wrote the game. You know, they're the uncredited game designers really. And unlike most Predator games, Hunting Grounds appears to have both ranged and close combat mechanics for both the combi stick and the smart disc. Could you tell us a little about the creative decision behind that and how do the retrieval mechanics work once you've used the range options? So the easy part for the range options is once you throw it, like the smart disc returns if you use it correctly. But if you hit something, it'll just stick to that. You get a little icon and you just go get it. You'll just like when you get in the radius, it picks it back up. That's the smart disc, the combi stick, and even the arrows for the bow. And then as far as the melee goes with with a lot of those things, it's like the combi stick is clearly close range weapon, but it's also thrown. So we did that. And then with a lot of the weapons, it's like if you have a weapon out and you can't melee with it, that kind of feels weird. So we made sure that like the smart disc is has melee with it and all the other elements. Um, just it just it makes sense. It's like, you know. We have to be really true to what's fun with the game as well. And to just touch on something else regarding the Huntress, is she going to be her own class outside of the Scout, Hunter, and Berserker? Is she like an Archer class or? No, she she. There will be three female classes, just like there will be three male classes. Ah, they gotcha. All, they all paired each other. Yeah. So does that mean the males can use the bow as well? Yep. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So the idea of male and female should not affect anything. It's more essentially like a body type, yeah, for example. Yeah. Just cosmetics then, really. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. I, I feel like in this day and age, every game should have male and female choices. Female gamers are absolutely just as important as male fem- you know, male gamers. It's a little bit more work for us, but it's just it just makes sense. It just totally makes sense. So, you know, when we added the when we started working on it, so we we were like, Yeah, we're gonna have male and female on the fire team. It makes sense for us to it absolutely makes sense for us to have male and female predators as well. And their body types are and their classes are just similar in parity with their health, their speed, their their recoveries, all that stuff. Yeah, and um, you know, that was that was something that I was impressed with at the panel again as well, was you know, you were consciously, you know, doing all the different um visuals for the human characters as well. So, you know, there's plenty of representation there. So, you know, on both sides, predator and human. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a necessary thing to have. If we have the if we didn't have the budget, yeah, it'd be like here's this all male thing. But it's you know, if the game does well, we would of course try to add females to it. I mean, it just comes down. I mean, really, it's it's the sad part about video games is it is a business. It's like why wasn't this movie better? Well, it's because their budget was X, and it is a business that they had to get it out by Y. And you know, that's the thing is like. With hunting grounds, I'm proud that we were able to do as much as we were able to do to to the canon for the for the fans and make a fun game, uh, which is as important as the canon. I feel. Yeah, for sure. Now you announced at PAX South that you snagged TJ Storm for mocap. For those who might not be aware, TJ had previously performed mocap for the upgrade Predator in The Predator. So I thought it was really cool that you had somebody with that existing connection to the series. Was that a conscious effort on Ilphonic's part to get somebody with that background who knew The Predator already? So when we started doing, uh, getting ready for the mocap stuff, uh, we had a list of mocap actors and, and TJ, God, he did what? 
I mean, he was Vader in the last couple of Star Wars games uh, for VR. Godzilla. He was Godzilla. He was, um, you know, it was just like, here's this great resume for this guy. And then it's like, oh, he was in the Predator. It's like, this seems pretty perfect. So when we when we had him out, it was just one of those things where we didn't know him personally yet. And to be completely frank, any game that that we work on, I'm going to be calling TJ first. He's yeah, he's awesome. I mean, so awesome. It's just it's one of those things where I don't think people necessarily know, like, you know, there's certain like actors from films. They're great actors. You know, some of them can cross over and do mocap. You know, a lot of them can do specific parts of mocap, but there's things that are very specific to video games and mocap that are really important into like seeing TJ and his resume. It was it just kind of checked all the boxes. It's like, oh, this is awesome. We wanted we wanted to try to get people that were involved in the film more involved in the game. And it just worked out to where his name came across and we're like, oh, shit, you know, he was in the last film. And on top of that, it just he knows mocap. And those are things that I think, you know, in mocap for games, I think that's things that people tend to take for granted. It's like, well, anyone could get on a suit and run around and you get a run cycle. And it's like, well, there's a lot to that, right? For an animator to have the best thing, there's tricks that they do, like run to, they have to match the run speed in the game as close as they can, because the more you speed it up or slow it down, the more it looks unnatural. And so, you know, he knew all those tricks of like, oh yeah, you know, you uh, move to something that's like a metronome because that keeps you kind of on cycle. And so that was awesome. The guy had an iPad with, or an iPod on him that he was playing songs that had the right BPM to match his footsteps. Yeah. Like it was, it was, it was pretty rad. Like he was calling out songs that would have the right rhythm to put his body into that motion. Like it was absolutely phenomenal. Like the things that he was doing and like, you know, he would be standing there. He's a big guy. He's like probably six, six, three, six, four. And so he'd be standing there just, you know, normal waiting for everything to go. And then as, as soon as they said action, he became the predator, like his body, like his, he, his stance, his hunches, everything that he did, we weren't using the microphones to record any audio, but he was grunting and, and roaring and yelling like, like he was the predator. And you know, he just took this really great level of magnitude to it. And then we had his other support uh, mocap person, Andy Norris, and she was to him the size of a human. So he looked as if he was seven feet tall or eight feet tall or whatever. And he would do all of the fatalities or all the all the final kill moves to to her and it just added so much just violence and this visceral nature to all of the the mocap actions that it was just like it was just this really cool experience with them. And then also he he is one of the voice actors for our fire teams as well. And he did an amazing job in in, vo- in VOs as well. So, yeah, TJ is definitely like aces in my in my book. We've seen that the pre-order incentive includes early access to Blaine's old painless and a jungle hunter skin based on the original film's Predator. We noticed that the jungle hunter skin hasn't been announced as an early access like old painless. Is this a mistake or is it exclusive to the pre-orders? It's an exclusive to the pre-orders. So anyone that pre-orders a game gets uh, gets the jungle hunter. One of the things I saw during the pre-alpha was just the prompt for the camouflage for the mud thing. And it's been talked about during the press rounds too, but it's not something we've had the chance to see in action yet. 
to, again a two-parter what led to the inclusion of the you know this iconic predator moment and how does it work and look in terms of the gameplay do we get like a little cut scene of you stripping down and soaping up or how, how does it work wait which part is this the mud camouflage oh 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 it was it was actually active in the demo when you when you played it yeah i i only saw the prompt though nobody actually used it so i haven't got to i don't think anybody's seen what it's like yet because i don't think it's been in any of the press footage uh, the promo oh, footage or anything that's actually pretty fucking funny yeah i mean that's that's been in since we started demoing it so when you get the prompt in first person, you start throwing mud on yourself and you, your weapons, everything has like a layer of mud over you. We didn't feel like stripping you down shirtless would have been a was the best idea. So you're covered in mud and then the shader and the mud eventually uh, dissipate. And so you need to you know, apply it again. So it essentially what it is, is it's a it, it's just like a movie you know, moment that became a mechanic that we really, you know, kind of. It's it's really funny how much shit in this game was like, hey, there's a scene in the movie. Let's see if we can add it with a mechanic. And so it was like, you know, you have this predator that has heat vision and then you have these people that are essentially, you know, able to be seen anywhere. And so it's like, let's add the mud mechanic to it. And now you have this this essential, you know, temporary buff that allows you to move around you know, hypothetically not seen as easy, but the predator can still see you because it's still movement of like a cool object. But the number of times that I've been mudded up and someone's ran by me as a predator and I was like, did you see me? You just literally ran by me. They're like, no, I didn't see you. And it's like that type of thing, that movie moment that became a mechanic is just one of those, one of those awesome, like, holy shit, this actually worked type of thing. So, yeah. Are there um, other sort of movie moments that have been hidden away that we don't know about yet? Things like maybe the traps, the you know, the scout boy traps that Dutch sets up. So we, when we started working on the design, we thought like, oh, do we set up, you know, do we set up punji traps and all this craziness? And and really to do that, it slowed the game down so much. So the fire team has, you know, they've got different things that they would have, but the movie sense of like, okay, let's let's make it so we get five minutes to take our shirts off and lift a bunch of trees into the woods with vines. That really isn't a movie moment that made sense for the game. Yeah, and you also have to kind of keep in mind that even if there is that last stand of, you know, two, two final people, the Predator and one fire team, kind of in that final fight, there's still people that are, you know, on in the match watching, right? Like whether they're in spectator, whether they potentially get reinforced, um, which spawns them back in. So it's just, it's also kind of keeping to the audience of like, you don't necessarily want to slow everything down. Yeah. So it's something we considered in, in, you know, we talked a lot about actually, and we just didn't really find a great, like it, it was just too drastic. It didn't flow. It didn't yeah. flow well. Like to, to do, to do those moments, it would have had to slow the game down. You would have had to do all these other things. And so the cycle of the game, you know, we wanted to keep the, these matches, you know, 10, 15 minute matches. And if we wanted to have that, it would have slowed that those moments down and you know i i don't i don't well and also none of that shit worked for them so it was really you know kind of a bad idea for them to do that they should have just kept on running that's bad that's yeah bad. you know the, the the thing is is like the idea of you know the the cycle for the fire team being very simple of like you get in you do your objectives a chopper comes you get to the chopper you get the hell out of there 
keeping the pace going without getting over yeah yeah and, and and that's and that's the big thing is like it 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 needs to be a game but it needs to be true to canon and i feel like we're we're very true to the the fire team mission objective thing and you know the idea of okay this goes completely foobar do we try to get this mission done or do we just say fuck it let's kill this predator and hope that we we succeed at that there's a lot of that and it gives it gives that 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 kind of like you know choose your own adventure type of formula and uh that's that's where i feel like the game really kind of lends to something completely new that no one's seen in asymmetrical games like people keep on saying oh i've seen asymmetrical games i've seen asymmetrical games but the thing is is like those are all asymmetrical true multiplayer where this is like if you get a bad predator you're playing a co-op game with your buddies and it's still entertaining you know it's not like oh fuck that one guy didn't that didn't show up just made this less interesting and i got an easy win we still want to have the people having fun and being entertained while they're playing and we've seen mention of field crates in some of the announcements i was hoping maybe you would be able to explain those sure so those are unlocked only by playing the game and they are literally cosmetic only items so they're uh your camos your face paints your customizable things and then all of your weapons and gear are unlocked with your rank so it's it's pretty much like here's this thing to kind of you know play Barbie dress up with all of your characters. How does that work in terms of stuff you've already got? So are you always guaranteed new items that you haven't yet unlocked, or do you accrue like a, an inventory that you can trade and stuff like that? I believe if you already have it, it just gives you more points, and then the point system you can also buy things. Again, cosmetics, not yeah. gameplay stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the narrative through line of Hunting Grounds because though it's a multiplayer game, the missions appear, at least from the, the pre-alpha that we got to see, you know, they, they appear framed around a narrative. Could you tell us a little bit about the story that the missions are framed around and why that particular sort of framing? So we can really be vague about it <laughs> um, because uh, a lot of that stuff is still being part of our, our release schedule. But... You know, this is after the Predator movie. Stargazer has fallen out of grace, and now they're they're the bad guys that you're fighting. So, you know, if you had a keen eye and you when you were playing, you would see that those bases are Stargazer's bases. And if you succeeded and killed the Predator, the OWF has actually returned into the Earth. Those are that's kind of a very high level teaser um, that we're able to touch on. But what we did was, you know. We're really trying to make the expanse of the universe. You know, here's here's a bad guy group. This is what their motivation is. This is, you know, who they are. And then, you know, the return of OWLF was actually very exciting. So the player human characters would be the OWLF forces. The player then. human characters are very similar to the special forces group from the first movie. Your mercenaries that are, are being brought into these black ops objectives and missions throughout, you know, this region. Is Stargazer the persistent um, human uh, antagonist then? Is is that who you're always fighting against in the other missions? Uh, yeah, so it's them and a guerrilla group. Okay. That's uh, part of that, so, yeah. So, so some alternation and variety there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And there's, you know, they have they have different classes. You've got your, your heavies, which you see in the demo, uh, snipers, and then your your grunts, and then there'll, there'll be other uh, classes that you come across that have different difficulties and weapon types. 
Still on the idea of narrative then, Hunting Ground gets a prequel novel. Um, Jim Moore's coming back to do... Oh, I forget what it was called. Stalking Shadows, I think. Stalking Shadows, yes, that's it. Have you guys had much uh, collaboration with him? Uh, I'm not sure what I could say about it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a printout of it that I'm reading tonight on, the, on my flight home back to Seattle. Okay, so we'll hit you up later for sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So was, was that a much collaboration or not at this point? Sorry? Yeah, we're working on, you know, on a lot of awesome things. And there's there's been a lot of great additions to to the universe in canon that I feel, you know, it's it's really kind of brought it to hopefully a, a really great place for others to take on. And, and I think what we what we gave for the Stalking Shadows uh, stuff, I think that I think that there's a lot of really cool cool shit that that they were able to play with ah, cool i'm looking forward to that one because jim's uh, last book the the hunters and the hunted was far superior to the film you know he, he did a prequel to the predator yeah it was loads better than the film so i'm really yeah we both loved to, it yeah really looking forward to seeing him set this game up awesome so it, it was quite surprising to see hunting grounds announced as coming to the pc as well you know we'd all been under the impression that it was going to be a ps4 exclusive but it has left some folk wondering if it's likely to see hunting grounds also make the jump to xbox after a while is it is it a timed exclusive kind of situation no because it's published by sony okay so just a straight up that's it yeah i mean to be completely frank like it's been a great it's been a great you know experience working with playstation and sony so i mean the the game has gotten it is is better because Sony has helped us with a lot of things, and it's been a, an amazing relationship. It is too bad that it's not on Xbox, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, there's plenty of Xbox exclusives that I wish were on on you know on PC and other things. So it's just how that it's you know it's how the business things go. But it's been a been really great that we we're able to get it onto the PC as well. And compared to Friday the 13th, uh, Hunting Grounds has the backing of being an IP from a much larger studio, and the game is also under the Sony banner. How would you say Hunting Grounds has benefited from being a Sony title? I think really just what Sony brings to the table as far as just their, you know, the the experience they have, right? And just there's a ton of PlayStation 4s out there, like over 100 million, and then you have all the studios that they own and work with. And so there's just a lot of great experience. I mean, there's a, they see a lot of uh, different games there and they really bring tools to support us and to support the game. I think, you know, the one thing, to understand though is it's still you know we're like Ilphonic is still an independent company it's a you know relatively small team on the project so it's not like it's some but it's a much bigger team than F13 yes it's talking. a it definitely it's a much bigger team than Friday the 13th but you know for us we're just we're really trying to refine uh Ilphonic as a studio and you know learn from what we learned on Friday the 13th and you know make as strong as uh, strong of a product as we can possible and it's been great working with Sony because, yeah, there's just certain issues you run into. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, what do you guys think about it? And they help they really help you kind of problem solve. But with that being said, it, it's still we're still a, a it's not a huge like not a huge team, huge not a huge team. amount of time. Yeah, not a huge amount of time but compared to F13. Yes. Twice as much. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Almost yeah. twice as much. I mean, so the, uh, the even more in certain areas. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if. It is one of those things where I'm extremely proud to be at Elphonic. And when I came and saw what they did with such a small group and such a short amount of time with F13, 
And to say that, you know, from from F-13 to now what we're showing with Predator, the, the game experience has evolved immensely. But the quality, the, the, the content, you know, it's 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 just a matter of fact, if you have more time and more people, your product's going to be X times better. Yeah. And I think the success like the success of Friday the 13th is what got us here. Right. Like we such a I think our company was like maybe. 25 when we did Friday the 13th and not even, you know, and we were still working on two different projects. So, you know, I think we might've peaked on that project at 20. So my whole goal after that project was, you know, what holes does the studio have and being able to hire someone like Jared and hire someone like uh, Tramel. It's like, we had such a great team. We were just able to bring on certain resources that had the experience to really get us to that next level as a studio. And so that's what was important to me. I mean, and again, like we had such good resources here, like just the the team always has been super amazing, but it was great. You know, the, the team kind of or as a team, we made the decision, like, let's grow and really turn this into something awesome. And and it allowed us to kind of do that. So it's been, you know, it's been really exciting just seeing what the team has done and also watching people that have been here for years, like get to a whole different level of experience and potential, just learning from industry veterans that were able to kind of come on and, and help us, yeah, fill holes and solve problems that we had in the past. So a much sort of um, smoother and easier development cycle than, than Friday was? Uh, I would say anything smoother and easier. It's just more people to throw at it, really. Is that purely a a funding kind of thing? Because I know Friday was um, crowdfunded, wasn't it? Yeah, there was there was crowdfunding and a little bit of external funding, but not you know not much. I mean, and we're and this is bigger in 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 that sense, but not like not like crazy bigger, right? There's still you know you you still as as studios grow, you're still kind of on a bit of a stair step climb, you know. So I don't know if we're ever going to be that forty fifty million dollar game kind of company, but you know maybe one day. But this is part of that road we travel. And so I would say for, you know, what this game is, it's it's given us the opportunity to really grow and and expand, you know, and, and we feel like this is just the right game for it and kind of the next step as a studio. You know, we really believe in keeping things like realistic. You know, we don't want to create things that are kind of out of our scope or just, you know, you see studios that that end up getting so much cash to make a game and it may not go to the right places. And and that's what we really wanted to avoid. So we want to keep very grounded in that sense. So, so yeah, I mean, but at the same time, it's like you always build on like everything's a learning experience. You learn to, you know, you learn from the last product. And sometimes, you know, I think you make mistakes on every project and, you know, sometimes you learn from one project to another and, other times you you can make the same mistake twice and and it's just game development is super hard like i don't think it ever comes easy and when you move from one project to another you tend to face a new set of challenges especially when you're pushing yourself and we've been really pushing ourselves to evolve every product we've made it's like let's make you know let's let's learn and let's you know refine and let's make something like we always love taking crazy ideas and pushing those and you know, we're doing it again. So sometimes you kind of sit back when you run into an issue and you're like, oh man, like, you know, we're really, really pushing again. Do we have to do that? But yeah, you do because then you're making the same thing twice and you don't want to really do that, you know? Yeah, completely understood there. 
Um, now, this is this is a, another clarification kind of question because this is something that um, people have been asking, and it was whether or not Hunting Grounds will be having a physical release because we only seem to have seen mention of things like digital deluxes and buying off PlayStation stores at this point. So, uh, am I going to have that box on my shelf? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can pre-order it right now on like you know different websites and stuff like Amazon and all that. But yeah, there's definitely a a physical release. Okay, that's me relieved then. Yeah, I want that disc too. <laughs> yeah, on yeah. on the GameStop website, it's showing it's in a box. So I guess it just comes down to your preference then. Yeah, yeah, and and on their side, I mean, because I'm just basing this off that because this is like business stuff that <laughs> we really don't pay attention to because we're playing the game. But like, yeah, if you pre-order it, you'll get early access to old Painless, and uh, you'll get good old Jungle Hunter. So, so you're not the ones to ask about um, any physical special edition release or anything like that, then. There's there's unfortunately no plans for that. Okay, that was, uh, that was something that that just we could not do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like me my steel books, but if you do pre-order the uh, the digital version, you get the added bonus of a PS4 dynamic theme as well as some PlayStation Network avatars that are pretty cool. There you go. Thanks for selling it. <laughs> yeah, no, I've I've been using one myself, and I, I gotta say, like right. the con the concept art that you guys showed during your your panel recently was just so nice and it was cool to see some of those other environments as well like the platforms on stilts and the watery area and stuff like that places we hadn't really seen yet yeah i mean tremel and, and the art team have done a amazing job we we've got amazing uh, we've got internally some awesome 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 artists but then we have some external people that we've been using that have been just great to work with and they've brought such really cool things to a lot of the just the world and it's it's just exciting to see it all connecting and, and and coming together and yeah it's 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 really it's it's really awe-inspiring to see this this thing growing to to be what it is but that is actually everything from us but before we do sign off is there anything that you guys would like to share that we just haven't given you the opportunity to with any of our questions man i feel like chuck's rambled everything <laughs> that we would have said oh um, well, yeah i think we're <laughs> probably pretty good for sure so. yeah i mean really the the big thing is as soon as more of the information is able to be spoken about, we'll absolutely circle back with you guys. I mean, I feel like like you guys, your fan base, I feel like just this fan base of Predator Aliens AVP, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think that those IPs are are so amazing and I want to say they're timeless, but I feel like there's a lot of people that just the fan base have have made these things grow bigger than they are. It's not always the amazing movies. It's the it's the fans and it's the community. And so, you know, I, I personally want to thank you guys for for having us and, you know, thank your community and, and all the people that are a part of it because the Predator, you know, lore and everything is is being driven by a lot of a lot of you guys. I feel just as much as uh, Fox and everything like that, because, I mean, the cosplay scene for Predator is astounding. I mean, just the, the, the things that they're that they're doing, it's like shit. I don't want to straight up steal this, but I could definitely be inspired by it. And, you know, hopefully as the game comes out, we can use other people and other other groups and other 
you know, fan things and even the books and, and comics and all that stuff, because it is it is definitely the inspiration of all of that. When we started working on this game, we were we were very siloed into our own space. And, you know, we've made contacts with a lot of great predator groups and even even product groups. And so, you know, there's a lot of amazing things like NECA's pumping out new predator toys all the time that are so cool. And, you know, I'm I'm a fan of all of the Dark Horse comics. And so it's been really neat being able to talk to some of the guys that I've been fans of for all these years because I've just been a Predator fan. So, you know, the thing is, is like they're there because this community is is so strong. So it's really it's really just kind of a, you know, thank you to the entire community for making these things grow still. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate that. We appreciate yeah, thanks so much for joining us. The, um, the stuff as well. I'm, I was so surprised when a Predator game was announced because, like I said earlier, you know, it tends to get not as much joy as, as the Alien side does. So um, uh-huh. that's that's been a, a real highlight about having this come into us soon. And yeah, I'm totally up for talking to you guys later as well once um, sure. you know, once the game's out and everything. Yeah, and yeah, we're really, really stoked for it. And good luck with the final stretch. And uh, don't crunch too hard, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, though. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we look forward to talking to you guys in the future. Hey everyone, again, thanks for joining us for our interview with Jared and Chuck from Ilphonic. Hope you enjoyed their insights about their upcoming game, Predator Hunting Grounds, which we're all very much looking forward to. If you like this podcast, please feel free to check out our others that are listed on our website, Spotify, or iTunes. Please feel free to take a look at our other socials as well if you're not on those already, and that's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You should be able to find those with AVP Galaxy or Alien vs. Predator Galaxy. Again, this has been Rich Top. I'm Corporal Hicks. Get into the chopper.